Well, God bless you all and good morning. I pray that you guys are doing well. Uh, we've been truly been waiting for this great opportunity for the longest time. And uh, it's so good to see all of you uh, here this morning. So let's go ahead and bow our heads down and we're going to pray for the service, okay? Dear Lord, we thank you for your promise of eternal life. Thank you for your love and your care. Thank you for another wonderful, beautiful day full of opportunities. Today is an excellent day to share and practice our faith with others, Lord. We pray that this morning you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and that there would be joy in our hearts so that we might be a blessing to others. Please allow us to lift those that need a light in their path and to offer prayer and help to them. We want to love others as you have loved us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, so Pastor Brett had asked me if I could come by and share my testimony with you guys and of course, I said yes. It's a tremendous, great opportunity for that, and I want to give thanks to the Lord for that. So, uh, I know that Pastor Brett is very serious. Is it making noise? Well, if you could just stay behind the screen, please. Behind? Okay, yeah. Sounds cool. Right behind. This is all, all new technology for me, so I'm used to sending smoke signals and things like that. So, <laughs> so anyways... Um, I just didn't want Pastor Brett to feel bad because he doesn't get a shay and I do. But what happens is that Pastor, I know Pastor Brett is very serious when it comes to sharing the gospel and also as to whom he allows to speak to the, the congregation that God trusted him with. And I shared the same feeling. I'm, I'm a part of this family. I was here since it started up and we're proud of that. Um, one of the things is that as he asked me to share my testimony, I know how important that is. I know that the enemy was defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the, and the testimony of the saints, according to Revelation 12:11. So when it comes over to sharing a testimony, it's very important. As I had worked on different events down in Rosarito, doing an outreach here and there, people had always come by and say, hey, uh, would you allow me to give my testimony? Now, I don't have a problem with somebody giving his or her testimony. The problem I have is when people want to get created with it. Now, God has already done it, and we cannot do it any better, right? So why add up anything to it? A testimony is clear and simple, honest, with all the glory and honor to God. It's just that simple, right there. So some... Chapter 9, verse 11 says, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. Letting people know of the marvelous works of the Lord is what a testimony is. We that share, teach, evangelize, or preach, or serve in a ministry are blessed to, to be able to do so. We're not heroes. We do not need to be recognized. We're merely vessels who had the privilege to have been chosen by God to share his word, his love, his kindness, and compassion. That's what we need to do as somebody that's sharing the gospel. We do not glory on what we do during his ministry. Now, if we do have the desire to glory on that, and we want to do that, he does give us a way out. And he says on Jeremiah 9.24, it says, But let him who glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising love, kindness, judgment, righteousness on the earth. 
for in these things I delight. So he's already given the love and the kindness on the earth, so we don't need to uh, flatter ourselves when we do that because that's what the Lord taught us to do. So here's the thing here. Ephesians 2.10, it says, For where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And yes, you heard good works. And I know, I know that Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say that we are saved by grace through faith and night, not by works. But we're not talking about salvation here this morning. We're talking about a testimony, what the Lord has done in our lives. So here's the thing. When I say good works, then I mean, yes, good works for somebody else. And the reason for that is because it's good works for us as well. Watch this. Because when we notice, when we care, when we love, when we share our strength with others, we actually bring purpose, fulfillment, and joy to our lives. This will give us a testimony with all the honor and all the glory to God. Now, let's take a very clear example. This and what I'm doing right now, I, I'm just putting out the way that a testimony is for me. This is, this is the meaning of a testimony in my person. This is how I feel about that. So over on the book of Acts on chapter 26, verse 16, we know that Paul at that time, Saul, is going to Damascus and he's going over chasing the, the Christian people he's, he wants to hold them hostage. So as he's doing that, Jesus Christ appears to him and he gets blinded and he gets on the floor. Well, this man is about to find the true purpose in his life. And that's the key word here, purpose, at the time. And this is the Lord speaking to this man here. It says, but rise and stand up upon your feet. Because remember, he was on the ground. For I have appeared to you for this purpose. To take you, to, to make you a minister and witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I would yet reveal to you. Now, this guy had seen a lot of things. He had seen a lot of miracles from Christ and so forth. Still, his purpose was not right. He was still persecuting the church. And the Lord wanted to be sure that this guy had it right. So he tells him, I'm going to show you different things yet. Well, when Paul needed to go over to Rome on the ship, he was not offered a fun cruise ship. This guy was actually shipwrecked three times. And this is because on the book of Acts, on chapter 9, verse 16, remember when he's blind and the Lord tells Ananias to go over and lay hands on him so that he will remove the scales off his eyes. And Ananias says, oh, no, Lord, I know who this guy is. He's a bad person. And God says, he's my chosen vessel. And the most important thing is that he says, I will show him all the things that he must suffer for me. Now, over on the book of uh, Philippians on chapter 3, Paul is giving out, he's bragging about his uh, identity. I mean, this guy is a Pharisee of Pharisees, circumcised on the eighth day uh, from the tribe of Benjamin. So he's a pedigree. He's one of the top guys out there. So this guy probably had a lot of privileges. He probably had a lot of money. He probably sat in the best places wherever he went. He probably had all the women he wanted. I don't know. But one of the things that, that, that he does is that he's, uh, he, he says over that he considers all of that as rubbish. So none of that right there. When he came over to know the grace of God and he found the, the true purpose 
all the things that he had that the world had to offer, he considered that as rubbish. And he takes all this suffering in his place. And he rejoices with it. Over on Philippians 4.4, 4, he says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. He uses that word over 10 times just in the book of Philippians. So this guy was actually rejoicing through all these times of suffering. And, and this is just because he has a purpose in there. When we don't have a purpose in our lives, it's hard to get anything done. Let's say that we go out, out for a little uh, joy ride. You know, pretty soon, 30, 40 minutes, okay, yeah, let's go home. You know, it's boring. But if we're going somewhere, you know, if we're going out on a date, man, that ride is just the, the most fun ride we ever had in our lives. If we're going over to visit our kids or visit someone that we love, there's a purpose in our lives. So what I just explained to you right now is what I understand as far as a testimony. So I'm going to share with you part of my, of my life or what the Lord has done uh, for me and my family and how he called me to be part of the ministry. So the first time I went to seek the Lord under his principles, his love, his mercy, was back on Memorial Day 2007. Hebrews 4.16 let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. My load was so heavy and my shame was so big that it was more than what I could handle. My marriage was coming to an end. Um, I'd been married and divorced four times. And all the memories of all the drugs, guns, and women that I sold into prostitution was overwhelming. I didn't take it anymore. I needed help, so I decided to go to church. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call me, and I will show you and answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I came to the U.S. when I was 14 years old. That was the first time I broke the law of the United States of America. I jumped the fence illegally and crossed to the U.S., but... Put your phones down. I already got my passport, so you don't need to call immigration on that. So I went and got my passport, and they said, well, what are you going to be doing in the U.S.? And I said, well, I want to learn the Word of God, and I, what I shared. So they said, so you're going to be a pastor? And I said, no, I just want to learn the Word of God. So they still stunned my passport as a pastor, so now I have to keep on preaching so I don't get deported because they, they might send me back to Mexico, so I don't know. But anyways, when I came to the U.S., my first friend in junior high was a Christian and his dad was a pastor and they shared the gospel with me and they would come by and try to pick me up to take me to church but I always high and didn't go to church so I made uh, very many poor choices the worst one was not going to church so I disregarded Jeremiah 33.3 I did not allow the Lord to show me all the great and mighty things that he had prepared for me but the Lord's promises are true. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I had pleased, and it shall prosper in the things which I send it forth. So 30 years later, I walk, my walk with the Lord begins at the age of 45 years old. And one of my first questions was, Lord, why did you allow those things in, in my life? Both of my parents were alcoholics, Thank you. Both of my parents were alcoholics. 
I started drinking, smoking, and getting high with glue when I was nine years old. Didn't learn to read and write till I was about 10 years old. So you can still tell on my reading here that's not, it hasn't caught up yet with my age. And I don't think it will. But, you know, here's the thing. You know how Isaiah 55:11 says that my word never becomes void? So it took 30 years to do that. And some people it takes longer and some people shorter. But it's true. It, came, it's, it did what the Lord said that it was going to do. This, this friend of mine and his dad, they shared the love of God with me. And it took 30 years for my hard head to actually open up and get that in. So after a, a year that I had become a Christian, the Lord called me to serve him down in Mexico working on rehab centers. God gave me the ability to collect donations for the centers and to share with all the inmates. Shortly after that, he called me to build a rehab center in Guanajuato, where I was born. God provided enough money for me to purchase 32 acres of land. We built a road, a water reservoir, and I started to build a rehab center. Now, at the time when the Lord called me to do that project, it was Father's Day, it was in 2009. And what happened at the time is that I called my brother, who is my blood brother and also a brother in Christ, and I said, the Lord just called me to build a rehab center. So I started looking for some land, and he said, well, how much money do you have to purchase the land? And I said, not one penny, can I have? And he said, well, why do you plan, plan to pay for it? And I said, I don't. That's God's problem. He's the one that sent me. You know, it wasn't my idea. So about five months later, we did find a land and we purchased seven acres of land and we had money left over. As we came into work, immediately the idea was to start sharing the love of Christ with the community. We were right in the middle of two villages, big time Catholic people. And so we came in and we hired people from the community and we treated them with love and respect, just showing the love of Christ. We paid them fair. We never mistreated them and, and we gave them food every day and we pray with them before having food. They started seeing the difference in the love of Christ. So when we finished shopping, we were ready to come home. We did an event at that place right there. You gotta walk on rough terrain about 40 minutes to get to it. And we had about 40 people that came over and showed up to the event. Uh, at that time, we had two ladies that came in and they were in their knees making handmade tortillas. So um, it was a big blessing, and some people said, hey, these ladies right here, you know they're the right head of the priest, right? They take care of the temple, they prepare the food for the priest, and all of that. And I said, yeah, I know. They said, well, how did you get them to come by and make the tortillas for you guys? And I said, well, I promised them I wasn't going to tell the Pope if they did it. So, you know, they came by, and now they, they are doing it right here. So it, w it was a big blessing on that time now, on this on December 12, 2010, I was traveling to Mexico through Sinaloa. I was bringing supplies and a lot of things, tools that we needed for, uh, for the rehab center. And as I was traveling, I was kidnapped by the Sinaloa cartel. Now, it was about 5 a.m. in the morning. I had three machine guns on my head, one on each side, one on the back on my head. And, um, this short guy comes in front of me, he's wearing a coat like Fidel Castro, and he's got a machine gun hanging off his neck. 
and he pulls out a 45 and he puts it on my chest and he goes, you know, I could kill you right now. And I remember I looked at him and I said this, and, and don't ask me why I said it because I don't know. But I looked at him and I said, my time has not yet come and you cannot do anything that God does not allow you to do. And I tell you this, from now on, your life will never be the same. And I don't know why I said that stuff, but that's what I remember saying. And you know, I never had nightmares about this. I never hated this guy. As a matter of fact, I do believe that he's preaching with my Bible. He's giving testimony. And I do believe that I'm going to see him in heaven. And, and when I do, I want to give him a big hug. After I, after I slap him a few times, of course, but, you know, I do want to give him a big hug in there. Now, remember I said at 5511 that I just, that I just uh, read to you? Uh, the word that goes out of my mouth does not become boy. Okay. So what happened is, while I was there, there was this guy that was, he was really aggressive. And he kept asking me all these things that didn't make any sense. Who are you? Where do you come from? Where are you going? What are you doing? So, you know, it didn't make any sense. I mean, they had my passport. They had my driver's license. They had all my information. They had my wallet. So what was I going to say? I mean, I couldn't say anything that was not in there, right? And then I, I told them. I said, look, I'm a missionary. I will send to preach to people like yourself to let you know that there is hope, that the Lord loves you. You don't have to do this. And he said, where are you going to? And I said, I'm going to Guanajuato. Well, it turns out that the big rival from that cartel was in Guanajuato, and then he hated me even more. And he started telling me, you know, how much he hated that people. And I said, well, yeah, I, you know, I hate him a lot more than I hate you too, but, you know, what can I say? Uh, and so, and this is the thing that the word doesn't become boy. There was this young guy behind me. He had a machine gun in my back, and I'm sure he was not a part of the church world or anything like that because if he was playing with machine guns, he was a bad guy. So he had pointed that in the back of my neck, and he put $90 in my pocket, in my rear pocket. I don't know, maybe he was paying me interest on the money they took from me. I don't know. But anyways, I got that money. The guy that was over at the front with the machine gun, with the machine gun and the pistol, as soon as I said, you know, that his life was never going to be the same, he stepped to the side, and he said, the road's that way, start walking. I started walking. It was still kind of dark in the morning. And as I go walking, I see this truck coming by down the road. It's an old truck, just one light on and the other one was not on. Coming really slowly, so I pulled out my Mexican Express card immediately, and I go, hey, I need a ride, right? So guy pulls over, and he's full of people inside. He's got pigs in the back, and then he says, get in the back. And I said, with the pigs? And he said, yeah, get in the back with the pigs. So I remember I was kidnapped. I hadn't showered in a long time. So as I sat in the back, all the pigs moved to the front, and I was left in the back because they, they probably thought this guy is a real pig. Man, he thinks terrible. But it, anyways, so at that time right there, I remember that my true walk with the Lord had truly begun at that time. Over on Isaiah 118 through 19, it says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they should be as white as snow. Though they are red as chrism, they should be as wool. 
If you are willing and obedient, you should eat the good of the land. Then I realized that most of those trials and tribulations were the outcome on my poor choices. But now, my God, my Redeemer, the mighty, all-powerful God was saying to me, Come, let us talk about all these selfish and foolish things that you have done. I'm going to forget about them, and if you desire, you should eat the good of the land. You know, when I went to school here, even though as an illegal immigrant, I had great teachers. I went to Memorial Junior High. I had great teachers that taught me. Uh, there was a principal there. His name was Herbie Barra. And when I moved over to San Diego High, he was a principal there. Well, uh, many of you heard of the um, club named Mecha. I happened to be a president of it, and then I was also uh, the president of the Students of Action uh, body in high school. So I met a lot of times with the principal. Well, I, there was all these people pouring over me. I did really well on school. So I only went to high school for two and a half years and I graduated. My last six months of high school I did them at San Diego State and I just went back to San Diego High to receive my diploma. Well, Mr. Herbert Vara somehow scraped up $10,000 and gave me a scholarship to go to school. Boy, was he, betting, was he putting his bet on the wrong horse. He put it on a donkey. Because shortly after that, I went on into selling drugs and guns and prostitution. And I was starting to become an attorney and never finished up law school. And you guys know that then I became a plumber cleaning sewer lines, which I think is a lot cleaner than being an attorney. But if you are one here, don't sue Pastor Brett or anybody. That's just a personal comment, okay? So, <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, over on, uh, from 1984 to 2019, I worked for this great woman of God. I was fresh out of jail. I had just come out of jail. Didn't have papers. It was not legal to work in the U.S. And this great woman um, took me under, under her wing. She mentored me, spoke to me with kindness, wisdom, and compassion. She showed, she showed me not only by words but by deeds the love of God. This woman was truly blessed with patience since she had dealt with me for over 30 years. She's my dear friend. I love her a lot. This, this was the first time that the Lord was This was the second time that the Lord was reaching out to me. As I answered his calling and went back to Jeremiah 33.3, call me and I will answer and show you all the great and mighty things. My first question was, but my first question had been answered. Why did you allow me to go through all this suffering? And I realized that he had always been there for me. Even when I was growing up in a dysfunctional family, having needs that could not be met by my parents, like shoes, clothes, foods, this was part of my training. I had seen many great and mighty things that he had done for me. We had seen a lot of kids like this in Rosarito. Uh, when I was growing up, we had no shoes. Uh, you know, we could never go out and say, hey, I got this many pairs of shoes. Couldn't even buy a box of cereal. So when it's Christmas time, I always make sure that we get about 200 boxes of cereal at the church for kids because I do remember what, what it meant to want and not have. It, it was a big need. But that was part of my training. So on James uh, chapter 1, verse 12, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. 
Now, I always got problems with this verse, ever since the first time I read it back in 2008. And I'm not going to explain it because I don't know it. Okay, I don't know. And I know this is terrible because we get Pastor Brad here many times, and he says, you know what, I don't know. And that's terrible because he goes away and he leaves another guy that doesn't know either, so <laughs> it's not a lot of help, right? But, you know, th this, is the, this is the thing right here. So let's say that you see me coming by all joyful, and you say, hey, Rudy, you know, why are you all joyful today? And I say, well, you know what? I can pay my bills and I can provide for my family, so I'm rejoicing. It doesn't make sense, right? It just doesn't make sense to us. Well, knowing if we know, but if we know that the Lord is almighty and powerful and we have a relationship with him and we know that he will provide for us, then we don't need to worry about those things right there because our faith and our trust, is, it's in the Lord. And like I said, I don't know about how to explain that verse, but this is what I do know. Hebrews 13.5, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. <coughs> when I was kidnapped, I ended up in Sinaloa. That's a big city about a thousand miles south from here. And uh, I needed to go to the federal police to report my truck stolen. So I walk into the, the police department and I tell them what happened. And so they gave me an office and they gave me a computer. So I was treated like a king. It was pretty cool. So I'm there working out, you know, trying to get my, my identity back because I couldn't move anywhere. I didn't have nothing that proved that said who I was. And so I, at this time, I see the guy that's at the front desk, and he points over towards me. And he has this chubby little guy about this tall, and he walks in, and he goes, are you Rudy? And I say, yes, I am. And then he goes, a friend of yours, who's a friend of mine, sent me over, and he wants me to give you whatever you need. And just like the genie, this guy goes, what do you need? And I said, well, I need money, I need a hotel, and I need a phone. And the guy reaches in his pocket and pulls out this huge chunk of money. And then he says, how much you need? And I grab all of that money, and I said, that would be enough. If I need more, I'll call you back later. <laughs> but, and I said, while we're at it, did I mention that I want a hotel with a jacuzzi, and I want an iPhone? Since he's got all that money, I figured that was no problem for him, right? So anyways, he says, okay, let's go get, let's go get the, the hotel and let's go get what you, what you need. Now, another part was that the Federales drove me in the rear car, in the, in the rear seat of their car. And it was pretty cool. I mean, we didn't have to stop at any stop signs, any stop lights. They didn't have to pay any toll roads. We went to have these fish tacos where they were great. We didn't have to make a line. We didn't even have to pay for them. So... I thought, hey, this kidnapping thing is pretty good. So every time I travel to Mexico now, I hope to get kidnapped so I can get the same treatment as I did at the time. That was pretty, that was pretty cool. So, <laughs> I know that's terrible. I know, brother. <laughs> so I went around uh, Culiacán. This is a big city. Remember, there is a lot of money there from drugs and a lot of illegal activities. So, People got beautiful 
vehicles, big trucks, and everybody seems to have it all together, people sitting over in downtown drinking coffee, having breakfast, and doing things like that. When I was walking there, I remember I came to a corner. I was doing paperwork to release, to remove the track from my name so I wouldn't have any liability. <clears throat> and while I was walking there, uh, I was kind of across the street, and I remember the Lord speaking to me very clearly. And he said, so where's your wallet? Where's your credit card? Where's your phone, your passport? And at that time, I realized that the Lord was doing something that was important. All of those things that were right there were taking the place of God. I put my faith on all the things that I could provide on my own. At this time, the Lord was working with me and showing me that you don't need any of that stuff. All you need, all you need is me. That's all you need. So I'm taking all of that away from you. You have nothing. It's just you and me. I finally made it home. I, made it, I finally went to my hometown in Guanajuato and got to see my family and share what God had done in my life, how he kept me safe and provided for me. Today, most of my family and my wife's family have given their lives to the Lord. They have seen and acknowledged the mighty works of God. And just like my wife and I surrendered to the Lord, so have they. This is the work of God, all the honor and glory to him. So from that right there, most of our family and this, including a couple of priests in my wife's family and nuns and things like that, most people are now in the same page as we are. All of us have surrendered to the Lord, and we love the Lord. Now, as I go down there, there's a place down next to the river. And when I said the river, don't think of a nice, beautiful river with sparkling waters and things like that. This is sewage. It's nasty, okay? But it's, it's a river. When it rains, it carries a lot of water. There's this particular group there that's, that's uh, called the Death Squadron. Their only purpose there, there is to die. Their idea is to drink enough wine or use enough drugs that they would not wake up the next day. This is on the outside of the city. So when I go and I preach to them, and if they, if they decide to turn against me, there's nothing again between them and me except God. So if they wanted to kill me, they could do that without blinking an eye. There's no place to run. There's no place to hide. But I come by and I bring food for them and I preach to them. Now, there's a lot of uh, demon possession in that area because there is a lot of worshiping of false idols. And one of the biggest ones is people worship the dead, the angel of death. So there is a lot of activity like that, but don't worry, I'm not going to talk about all those demons and things like that. But what I want to say is that one time that I was preaching there, there was this guy on the side, and he spoke all kinds of different languages, and he said things to me that nobody would know, but he knew it because he was a demon. And he kept on trying to stop me from preaching the gospel. Well, about five guys finally surrendered. So my family and I were flying the next day to San, to San Diego. And uh, I arranged with one of the brothers that was there with me to go by the next day in the morning 
buy him lunch and take him to church and then bring him over to the ranch where we're building the rehab center. I said, you bring him over there, uh, give him work, pay him, minister to them every day, mentor them, teach them the Bible, and, uh, you know, we want to start out with these people. Anyways, as we got to the airport and we go into the, to get our boarding passes, the young lady says, okay, well, your wife and your three kids, they will fly, but you have to stay behind. We'll send you back in an airplane later on tonight. And uh, she said, I'm really sorry. I know you had your reservations done and all this. And I said, please, I said, don't be sorry. I said, I'm a missionary. I need to finish up something that I didn't do. So the Lord wants me to go back. I said, I'm fine with it. I went back as I went back, and I called this brother and asked him, how did it go? And he said, well, you know, it's weird because I got there, and the guys were not there. But two other guys showed up, and they had just been released from jail, and they said, hey, when the guy comes back that preached the gospel to us, tell him that we're in jail and we need food and water. So we went and bought a lot of food and water because they were not the only ones there, and we brought it over to the jail. I came by and I introduced myself with the guard there and I told him that I was a missionary and, and I was bringing food and water for the inmates. And he said, are you one of them guys that preaches uh, the Bible? And I said, uh, I said, I am. He said, well, why don't you come inside and preach? And I said, oh, praise God, because I always wanted an audience like that where nobody lives when I'm preaching. You know, that's a, that's a great time right there. So, yeah, we, we did that. But anyways... I was sitting over at the birthday party there in the same town. And um, as I was having dinner, I felt this big hand on my shoulder. And I turned around, and it's this huge guy, and he goes, do you remember me? And I said, no, but whatever I did, I didn't mean it. Please forgive me. <laughs> and the guy says, he says, you know, a little while back, he said, I lost my business, lost my home, my family. He said, I met you, and you shared the word of God with me. He said, and I saw you here, and I recognize you. He said, so I want to introduce you to my wife and my kids. We're back together. We started up another business, and we had acquired another home. And I said, well, praise God. That's a great testimony of what the Lord is doing here, right? Well, after having basic needs that my parents could not meet, God gave me the opportunity to understand that it was part of my training. About two years ago, Pastor Brett and the elders of South Point laid hands on my family and I and sent us away to proclaim the gospel. Today, my family and I serve full-time in the ministry down in Rosarito. Both my wife and I understand the need for food, clothes, and education, but more importantly, the need for a good and sound doctrine. God called us and provided for us to purchase land and to build a church where we share the love of Christ. I teach and preach three times on Sunday while my wife teaches the kids ministry. On Wednesday, I teach and preach for four hours as I teach math, English, reading, computers, and of course the Bible. There are many kids just like me who don't know how to read or write, who are hungry and need personal things. And you know what? There's always food at that church, always. When these guys come on Wednesday night and they're hungry, and I mean, these guys are hungry. When we had two refrigerators, and when those refrigerators see these kids coming by, they start shaking because they know they're going to get right right away because these kids are always hungry. And, you know, this, this is really 
amazing because Pastor Bed had spoken to me a couple of times, and he said, hey, do you feel like the Lord is calling you to be a pastor, to be, you know, full-time ministry, and other churches support you? And I said, um, I said I'm an evangelist. I go out there, and the, you know, table's already set, and I just show up and just, you know, preach the gospel. I said, I don't think I can do what you can do, what you do, preaching every Sunday. That, that seems like a lot to me. Well, you know, I always, uh, I always thought that the Lord had a great sense of humor when I read the book of Jonah. You know how Jonah throws a fit after he doesn't, God doesn't do what he wants it to do. And he goes out there and he sits on the desert and then God uh, causes this plant to grow and give him shade and all that stuff. Well, I find that to be really interesting and, and funny. And so I think that God has a great sense of humor. I thought he did, and now I'm 100% sure because, look, so he's got me preaching three times on Sunday, and then on Wednesday when I say I couldn't preach one single Sunday, okay? And the most amazing thing of this is that um, I not, never nothing to do with a youth group, and, you know, I got a bunch of youth guys over there. My wife has never taught the children's ministry, and yet every Sunday she's doing that, and I know at the very beginning... I was preaching, and I didn't really keep track of the time, and then I remember my son going like this, and I thought he was telling me love and peace, and he said, no, you've been preaching for two hours, man, so it's time for you to cut it out. I remember seeing my wife coming out from that room and just going like, and I thought that she was saying, hey, time's flying by. I'm having a lot of a great time, so, you know, I just kept on preaching. But anyways, you know, this is, this is how the Lord has that great sense of humor. And if that's not enough, if that's not enough, my wife and I, believe it or not, but we've been leading worship. So if you ever heard my wife or I sing, okay, if you ever heard my wife and I sing, we're sorry we did that to your ears. But you know what? It's, <laughs> that we don't have anybody else. So, and the Lord just has that great sense of humor that says you're going to be doing it. And it's worked out really good. So... Amen. And this, but this is one really amazing thing that I'm going to share. And I'm almost done. I know it's pretty hard today. Um, so, you know, people always ask, you know, how are we able to serve lunch and breakfast? Because every Sunday there's breakfast and lunch. We know that kids are hungry. And people don't have a lot of the times the mean to do that. So people always ask me on how we're able to serve breakfast and lunch for the entire church every Sunday and Wednesday and to help people with medical needs and to provide basic needs such as food, clothes, and shoes if I don't even have a job. Here's the answer. God is my sustent. God is the provider. If we sat down and did the math and calculate my income and the expenses to provide for my family and our three sons and to build a church and keep the doors open, this wouldn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. I've been retired for two years. I retired to spend time with my children and to work in the ministry. And you know what? We never got needy or hungry. We never got cold. Lord has always provided. So this is an act of faith. This is the body of Christ working in one accord, doing what they preach. Several times the family of South Point has stepped out in faith and said, the Christmas event that you are planning to do, how much is it going to cost? We want to pay for all of it. We want people to hear the gospel, to have Bibles, to have food, to have blankets, shoes, and clothes. Put it all on our account. 
Not only that, but they have stepped out of their comfort zone. They have actually crossed the borderline for love, for love over all the people, set up tables and chairs, pick up trash. Now that's an act of faith right there. I heard many times Pastor Bray preach something, and then during the week he's already doing it. There's also other brothers and sisters in the faith and other, other people that are not Christians but are aware of the work that God is doing in Rosarito and have trusted us with their finances and donations. One person said, with the pandemic, I'm afraid that people might not have enough food to eat. I want to donate money to feed the people. Other person said, I'm going to build and donate computer for the kids. Other people have said, I'm sending some money to help those in need. This is a sign of a healthy and vibrant church that God has used to impact the community in many positive ways. All the glory and honor to God. Amen. There are times when we have been waiting at the borderline for seven hours to cross to the United States. And we enjoyed every minute of it. There's no other place where we would rather be than to be at the feet of the Lord, proclaiming the good news even when the pandemic was at full potential, we still went and did what God told us to do, always made it home, always had enough, always came back with, with new and great testimonies of what God had been doing. During this time of the pandemic, we never stopped crossing the borderline. There was such a big need, and there was a lot of people that had a big heart. As you know, from my testimony, I was being disobedient, and you know, even though I try very hard, it hasn't changed 100%. So when we were told not to gather together, we were still doing it. There was people that were coming over to our home bringing carloads of water, juice, granola bars, chips, and things like that. And then four or five families of us would get together, and we would put these little bags together with uh, some drinks and snacks and verses from the Bible. As I crossed the borderline, I would be passing out these bags to people we passed about 200 bags every week to people. And we saw how people got them, and they went and sat down immediately, opened up, started drinking and eating and reading their Bible verses. One time as I was coming through the borderline, and I pretty much knew everybody at the time, I was coming, and I heard this young lady saying that she had only made $4 in the entire, I don't know if it was the day or nighttime. It was like about 9 o'clock. She was selling tamales, and so I thought I would help her up a little bit with the economy. So I said, hey, can I get two tamales and one champurrado? And then she goes, yeah, yeah. So she goes out and brings them, and I pull out my wallet. I say, how much do I owe you? And she said, you don't owe me anything. I want to give them to you. And I said, but I want to pay for them. I want to help you out. And she said, hey, you always give us bags with water and things like that. Yeah, but it's not me. That's a gift from the Lord. And I want to give you another one today that will represent that God is faithful. So th this are, these are the things that we have encountered at that time. Now in Romans 10, 15, it says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tides, tidings of good things. The, t the testimony that you heard of what God has done through my family and I, it's only a small part. Hopefully I will be given the opportunity to once again share God's glory with all of you in the near future. There is no greater joy than to serve the Lord. I had a big chunk of what the world has to offer and was never happy, never had enough. But now I do just by having the privilege to serve God. 
If you want to experience true love and joy, ask the Lord to use you. Surrender to God. Allow him to show you all the great and mighty things that he has prepared to you, according to Jeremiah 3.3.3. Because when we notice, when we care, when we love, when we share our strength with others, when we reach out, there is purpose in our lives, fulfillment and joy. Listen, if you acknowledge that you are a sinner and that God has shown you grace and mercy through someone else, go out there and do the same. Show love, grace, and mercy to someone else. God bless you all. If you have any questions about what we do, why we do, what we believe in, please don't hesitate to ask. If you need prayer, I would be happy to pray with you and for you. And there's all the other elders of the church here that can pray for you. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Thank you for, your, for showing us your love and mercy. We pray that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit and give us the opportunity to be a blessing to someone else according to your grace. Please allow us to rejoice as we share the good news and to be doers of the word. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you.